0: Welcome to the Citizens Report for the 24th of January 2020. I'm Elisa Barwick. Joining me today is Citizens Party Research Director, Robert Barwick. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Elisa. And on today's show... Central bankers plot dictatorship in preparation for a crash, and RBA's new payments platform is a surveillance and control mechanism.
1: Um, Elisa, before we begin, I want to make a few announcements because we're gonna we're not going to spend the whole show talking about the cash ban, let's put it that way, but we do have to say something about the cash ban. Mm. So, the the news is twofold on today's Friday. On Thursday next week, the 30th of January, I'll be in Sydney for the second hearing of the Senate inquiry into the cash ban bill. And that's um, at Kent Street in Sydney. We'll put the venue on the screen. As many people in and around Sydney who are concerned about this bill should come as possible, right? Come to that event, even if it's just for an hour or so. Be there for the public audience for this cash Mm, ban hearing. Fill
0: up the venue.
1: Fill up the venue, right? Let them see the depth of... We're going to be respectful, we'll just... You can't participate, you can just observe. John Adams, the economist who um, wrote one of the best uh, submissions on the the bill, Um, he will be testifying, right? Um, But all we can do is observe, but it will show those senators the depth of feeling. That's very important. I really urge people to be there. Um, Second is we showed on last week's show a clip from the last hearing on the 12th of December um, we've since produced a five-minute video, which is a bit different than what we showed on the show, but I, what I've, I foreshadowed it last week. I couldn't get into three minutes, so I said we would do it three minutes, no, it's a five-minute video of the um, Senator Rex Patrick and Senator Alex Gallagher asking for evidence for the need for this law, and none was forthcoming. It's very, very uh, effective, this video. We want everybody, if you're a viewer of the show, you support our fight against the cash ban, go to our website go to the, 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 the YouTube page, sorry, look at this five minutes video and get your Member of Parliament to watch it. All right, call them up, email it to them, call them up and say, I've sent you this, you've got to watch it. You'll start off with the staff get them to watch it first, but if they watch it, then you say, look, you've got to get your boss to watch it. We need every Member of Parliament. Uh, effectively, we need all the non-government senators. That's the most important thing. Uh, Labor, Greens, Center Alliance, One Nation, Jackie Lambie, Independence, all the non-government senators to watch this before they vote on the bill, most likely in February. So please do that.
0: Yeah, we need a coalition of everyone, not in the government, even some from the government, to oppose this because it has already passed the House. Yep. And now it's up to the Senate. And that could happen very rapidly after the hearing puts down their findings yep. on the 7th of February. Uh, now, of course, the cash ban uh, is part of a broader campaign, and that's what we're going to talk about now. Central bankers plot dictatorship in preparation for a crash, uh, and uh, getting rid of cash and having more control uh, and transparency over the entire banking system is a key part of what we're...
1: Transparency meaning them being able to see everything we do, surveillance. not the public yeah. knowing what banks are up no, to. No, exactly. A different kind of transparency, <laughs> surveillance. Uh,
0: now, this week, of course, we've seen um, the Davos World Economic Forum taking place uh, with green acolytes such as Prince Charles, Greta Thunberg and Al Gore discussing the problems of the world with 119 billionaires and many of them, of course, bankers. And, uh, of course, they talked about the threats to the global financial system, but one of the big threats that's been put forward uh, as a ruse, in fact, is the threat of climate change. And the Bank for International Settlements, uh, just in time for the Davos Forum, put out a report, which we'll put up on the screen, warning of a green swan event uh, triggering a new global financial crisis. Now, the term green swan uh, refers to the term in common, made common now in financial parlance of the black swan event by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. He,
1: he wrote a book in 2007 on the black swan and he's a statistician. He was just pointing out that most statistics ignore, out, you know, that there's a bias against ignoring outliers and you can have unforeseen events that you couldn't predict. And his example was before Europeans came to Australia, they only thought swans were white, mm. right? And then when they came to Australia, discovered they're black as well. And this was, un, this is unforeseen. But unforeseen events can have extreme consequences. And the reason it got it stuck in everyone's mind is because he put, his book was 2007 and the global financial system happened in 2008. And they called that a black swan. I think even Taleb would argue it's not a black swan because people like us mm. were warning about it, other people were. But the establishment, the people that are now trying to run this new scam, right, so they could keep their power, said, oh, this was unforeseen. Right? It was a black swan, now they're coming up with a green swan. Mm.
0: And there's two aspects to the threat, as the BIS puts it. One is that climate change, through extreme weather events, can do a lot of damage to economies. But the other one, which is more significant that they mention, are so-called transition risks. So where you have banks uh, that are trying to pull money out of investment in things like fossil fuels and things that create risks to the climate, uh, that can create a phenomenon in financial markets where there's unforeseen collapses and so forth. So this is actually a self-imposed threat, threat yep. because they're putting forward this climate risk. And Before
1: you go on, I just, we're going to put a press release on this today, but I've got to mention it. There's a, a scientist in America who used to work for NOAA, the Na- National Atmospheric Research Organisation, Roger Pielke, Jr. In 2018, he did a report on the actual financial cost of disa- weather-related natural disaster events and showed that since 1990, as a percentage of global GDP, they've been going down. Mm-hmm. Right? We were told all this would, would be exploding out of the place. Now, they've been going, they've actually been going down. So when they talk about this, the, the, the second part of what you said is the, that is if there is a risk, it's what they're imposing themselves. Because it ain't, it's yeah. not coming from because some event has caused some kind of insurance blowout. Right? That's not what's actually happening here.
0: No. And so what they're saying in reaction to this, the Bank for International Settlements, uh, is that central banks could be forced to intervene during a climate crisis and called upon as, quote unquote, climate rescuers of last resort. Um, We'll put up the headline from The Age about this. uh, Including, they say, by buying a large set of carbon intensive assets.
1: I think this... Yeah, you know, This is such a scam. Look, we opposed 20, 30 years ago, for the last 20, 30 years, we've opposed the privatisation of our assets. And the big ones they privatised were always electricity. These were ones developed over decades by government and public investment, right? And suddenly in the 80s, they come along and in the 90s, and they said, oh, we can sell all these. So now a lot of those are coal fired assets, right? And they're bought by big financial interests owning those assets. Now the Reserve Bank's going to come and say, oh, well, you're being pressured by, by uh, activists to, to get out of those. We'll, we'll print money and buy them off you. Good deal for them. And what? And, and they're not buying them off and to run them as estate assets again. They're buying them to shut them down, mm. right? Leaving us at the mercy of less less, less electricity mm. in the name of the climate. What a joke!
0: And what the BIS then stresses, uh, which is the, really the critical thing, is that there has to be an entirely new level of coordination between central banks and governments in order to manage these risks. And one of the um, organisations, private. Bank uh, hedge fund that is promoting this idea and has been for some time is BlackRock, which is the world's biggest hedge fund, manages seven trillion US dollars in pure speculation. Uh, and back in August last year, at the Federal Reserve-sponsored um, Jackson Hole event, BlackRock, BlackRock then had suggested what we what had been known as monetary regime change whereby central banks should be given decision-making power over government budgets, directing it into green, uh, you know, green-friendly initiatives. So you had at the Davos Forum uh, two BlackRock spokespeople, Larry Fink and Philip Hildebrand, and Hildebrand was one of the authors of this Monetary Regime Change reports. Hildebrand uh, said, and, and this is all, of course, while the central banks and the bankers are dictating terms, but yet he says the government has to be the green stick forcing people in this direction, forcing business in this direction. He said, there will be laws, there will be regulations. This is a government problem. We cannot reach the Paris goals in the absence of coordinated, sustained government policies. And Larry Fink said that in the near future and sooner than most anticipate, there will be a significant reallocation of capital. We are on the edge of a fundamental reshaping of finance.
1: Alisa. Um, I want to appeal to our green friends who, you know, let's not, let's not think we can win the argument one way or the other about climate change today, but don't fall for suddenly bankers being their rescuers. Now, um, about two years ago, we produced this um, pamphlet. The next financial crash is certain, and the Bank of England, Bank for International Settlements, APRA, Banker's dictatorship. This is something we've been warning about for a long time. This is not about. This, this has nothing to do with climate change. We identified this is the structure for a banker's dictatorship over the world that has been that has been advancing an agenda for decades. And what they what they're trying to do is 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 um, replace uh, government decision making, which has a which is democratically elected, has a democratic accountability with them, which has no accountability. Mm. Right. Now, left, most Australians, seeing this clearly, would never want to tolerate this, right? In, in 1937, the, 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 the greatest prime minister in Australia, he wasn't prime minister then, John Curtin, proved to be our greatest prime minister, leader of the Labor Party, said, unless the government plays a role in monetary policy, it cannot govern except in a secondary degree. If, if, if only bankers do this, we don't have sovereignty. Yep. That's what this is about, Right. These, these people that you just referenced, they want a global carbon tax, for instance. We won't have yes. sovereignty with that. Now, so they've, they've found a way to green dress their agenda, right? Forget, forget the, the, the excuse they use. Don't fall for the excuse. Look at the power they're getting for themselves. That's the point here. You know, back in the 30s, because of the, the Depression, there was a big argument. People started thinking, man, these governments are incompetent. We need dictators to run the economy. There was a big push in Australia, a big push around the world. It took hold in Germany, took hold in Italy, took hold in those places, right? That was fascism. But it was driven by this fear that, oh, the the depression means we can't run the economy ourselves. We need the best men to do it, right? I've never seen an issue like climate change to make otherwise reasonable people start doubting democracy. Democracy is not perfect, but it means we, the people, have some form of accountability over the system. And they're saying, oh, no, see these elections? They keep resulting in climate-denying governments. Well, if you think that's the excuse to replace democracy, double-check yourself because you're giving the power to this apparatus. That's what we're trying to expose here.
0: And this apparatus is right now drawing up all the prudential standards, the BIS top-down with APRA and so forth, for new green uh, stress tests and all kinds of new prudential standards. So stay tuned for more on that. We have to take a quick break, but we'll talk about the real causes of the real financial crisis after this. Welcome back to the Citizens Report, where we're discussing the oncoming financial crisis being me, used to usher in a dictatorship.
1: Yeah, let me just, just interrupt before you go on there. I just just before what I was saying about before the break, this structure that we exposed in this document, this this actual pamphlet is gives a lot of the history of the fight against bail-in in Australia. That's why we produced it. These are the architects of bail-in, mm-hmm. right? And they used the excuse was financial stability. We need to have financial stability. We need the power. We need, we, that's a justification for stealing people's bank accounts, mm. bank savings, to prop up the system. And in this, in this BIS report, right, what they're talking about that you went through is also couched in financial stability. Finan- so that yes. we can preserve financial stability of the system, we have to have these powers mm-hmm. that we can dictate to governments how things are done.
0: Mm. Now, of course, the real financial crisis is caused by these very entities that have set up a system through deregulation and so forth that has allowed... Uh, excessive financial speculation that has built up phenomenal debt bubbles, derivatives bubbles and so forth, you know quadrillions of dollars worth that's about to come crashing down after the GFC in 2008. Nothing was done to rectify that situation, there were just bailouts and those bailouts are of course continuing and we've seen a new form of bailout. The Fed's been forced to get a bit creative to get around various changes that were made even though they were nowhere near enough after the GFC. Uh, And so the repo um, market crisis has created a pretext for a new form of pumping out money um, through the Fed's 24 primary primary, um, dealers, dealers, 24 of the biggest banks in the world. So a lot of this money's been, all of it has basically been going into speculation and pumping up the bubble. And at the end of the year, there was a big panic that banks and hedge funds would see se- severe shortages of cash again despite everything they'd pumped in. So they had these extraordinary um, initiatives, particularly over like the few days of the New Year's period, uh, to pump in uh, huge amounts of money. There have been new QE programs announced since then by the European Central Bank. Uh, the Fed is doing it in everything but name. And the Bank of England, Mark Carney, who's a big part of this new uh, green strategy, by the way... He's he, the
1: mastermind. He's the Svengali. Mr. Mr. The centre he's Mr. Bailin, and he's Mr. Green Financial Dictatorship.
0: He's taking a position at the UN to head all of these green initiatives. Uh, But he's saying the Bank of England could at least double the previous package of quantitative easing and they're looking at rate cuts and so forth. And there's been 71 interest rate cuts by 49 central banks. Put that together with QE and it equals what the IMF Managing Director, Kristalina Georgieva, has just described as the most synchronised monetary easing since the GFC and resembles, as she put it, the roaring 20s before before the 1929 crash. Now, other warnings have come from Scott Minnard from the New York Fed's Invo- Investor Advisory Committee on Financial Markets. So he advises the body that's pumping out the money into the repo market. In a note to the Davos investors titled Global Central Banks Fueling a Ponzi Market, he said that ultimately investors will awaken to the rising tide of defaults and downgrades. And he warned that there's um, a downgrade coming of triple B corporate debt which is 50% of the market, which will be the largest fallen angel volume on record. Another Fed guy, uh, Robert Kaplan, at the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas, said that central bank liquidity is boosting investors' risk-taking. And Paul Tudor of Tudor Investment Corporation, interviewed from Davos, said, we are just again in this craziest monetary and fiscal mix in history. It's so explosive it defies imagination. Now, amid all of this, the New York Fed is now discussing, however, whether they start lending money directly through the repo market to hedge funds. Right now, hedge funds have to can only get money from this re, these repo injections you, via a middleman, meaning a bank. via another bank.
1: Yep. So you mean that the Fed, with the power to invent money, can give it straight to these funds like mm-hmm. BlackRock, saintly green, saintly BlackRock, which is just there to gamble with it. Exactly. Without even the, the in an unregulated, unre, unregulated way. That's, what they, that's why you have hedge funds, so they're not regulated, right? Mm. This is nuts. Uh,
0: and the Bank for International Settlements, by the way, had put out a report at the end of the year, which was headlined, September stress in dollar repo markets passing or structural. And they actually admitted in that report, which said that only four big banks dominate the entire repo market, which was a, a risk. But they admitted the biggest draw on cash through the repo market anyway was hedge funds and that a sustained disruption of the repo market could quickly ripple through the financial system. Well, no doubt, given that hedge funds specialise in derivatives and the most highly speculative instruments. Um, now, this is happening, might, I might admit, amid a spate of hedge fund shutdowns, 1,200 in the last two years, and freezes on withdrawals from hedge funds. Uh, withdrawals from hedge funds had actually doubled by the end of the third quarter in 2019 from what it was previously. So this calls for urgent action as we've uh, defined in our suite of legislation to stop banks gambling with Glass-Steagall, audit the banks and actually, you know...
1: What they're saying is the hedge funds themselves, not just the banks, now the hedge funds are too big to fail and we're letting this one of these clowns dictate global um, energy policy. Um, instead, we should be putting in Glass-Steagall and cutting them off, these parasites, from the, the, the blood flow of our livelihoods that they feed on. If they can't survive under those circumstances, good, let them go, right? They're a parasite on the system. Only With Glass-Steagall, you'll only keep what deserves to survive, i.e. that which serves the real economy.
0: Yeah, mm. we're going to hone in on this a bit more on the Australian side of it after this break. Welcome back to the Citizen's Report. We're now discussing RBA's new payments platform as a surveillance and control mechanism. That's the Reserve Bank of Australia, of course. We'll get into the detail, but call in for a copy if you haven't already, a complimentary copy of our Australian Alert Service, our weekly publication. The detail from this segment is drawn from an article contained therein. Uh, And that article is by an independent researcher based in Western Australia, Melissa Harrison, who's written up um, really important details on the new payments platform. She Uh, calls it
1: a Trojan horse for central bank control of Australia's financial system.
0: Can you just explain what the new payments platform is for those who don't know?
1: So the Reserve Bank in 2013 said we need need to, basically called for moving to an electronic payment system, the infrastructure for a cashless society. They didn't put couch in those terms but we now know in retrospect Mm. that's what they were gunning for and they've brought together all the, the major financial institutions in Australia be members of this and shareholders of it. And, and the idea that they're selling it as is you can use your pay ID and they're running these ads with a, a man with a fish head because that's an indication of how stupid they think we are and they do think we're that stupid. But this is so we stupid people can get a number right some kind of a number associated with our abn or our phone number or something some id that we can just use to, con- to conduct electronic transactions between ourselves and it's supposedly real time mm. right Whereas there's, there's no clearance time, and then they can, you know, this, this can replace cash.
0: So this is where it gets murky, being that it's all real time, because it makes the RBA the middleman for every single transaction. And they would actually establish a type of repo facility, as Melissa explains, for overnight liquidity for when you're making transactions outside of business hours. Well,
1: basically, can I explain that in simple terms? Basically what it means is you and I are doing a transaction, and, and if we had cash, the transaction's instant. But they say, oh, you can do it with your phones. Right? And you'll say, oh, yeah, look, I've transferred money to you and it showed up straight away. It actually doesn't mean it's transferred straight away. No. That still has takes time to clear. The RBA gives you its money straight away. Right? And what that means is when you've got a banking system like ours where there's four big banks, if the RBA is, is basically guaranteeing a bunch of transactions every day if this comes into effect, mm. right? If one, of those, if one or more of those banks goes under in a day, the RBA is on the hook for all those transactions. It's a systemic risk they're building up in order to create a system mm. where the only benefit is them being able to see everything we do. Y- yeah. It's not an improvement on cash.
0: Exactly. And um, like the ACCC, the Australian Consumer Competition Council, actually said this is a possible cartel. But, oh, but <laughs> because it's in the public interest, it's acceptable. And But yet the RBA has had to go as far as threatening financial sanctions on banks... Who are not making the quite costly moves to get on board? Because it is actually
1: expensive, and it's not like the banks wouldn't would be opposed to it in, in principle, but it is actually expensive, and, and so they're they're having to force them to do it.
0: Uh, and it involves substantial data collection, as you insinuated. Yep. This is pay ID service could also be linked to the trust ID system, which is used for all government services. Um, Now Harrison said in the article that such total centralisation offers unprecedented opportunity for surveillance, data mining and financial control. And at the same time as this is going on, um, there's another aspect of this coming up with again the prudential regulator APRA, where APRA has started a collaboration with spy agencies including the Australian Signals Directorate, Uh, or its division, I should say, the Australian Cyber Security Centre, which is devising new prudential standards to prevent cyber attacks. And the government simultaneously is developing new legal powers so that they can intervene into the most critical uh, private sector infrastructure, including things like um, traffic management systems, ports, energy, sensitive data holdings, and, of course, banks, Right now they can only intervene with permission of private network holders but they want to change it so that they've again got that real time interaction, uh, you know, live with these different agencies. Um, Now this of course would provide a very useful capability during a financial crisis, not only to save the banks because that's what APRA is dedicated to under the BIS um, dictates, but also to control the population.
1: No, for sure. And earlier we've talked about the green, the, the, the central bankers and BOS using climate alarmism as a pretext for seizing power. For 20 years we've had terrorism as a pretext for, for seizing power, right? We've fought that all the way as well. And, and you know, our, our outfits like this, the intelligence agencies have got all these enormous surveillance powers and now APRA is going to be on, in on that so they can keep an eye on all their financial activity as well, right? Use that pretext to do that. We've lost all of our... Privacy. We're losing all of our civil rights in the name of propping up a financial system. See through it and join the fight to stop it.
0: Mm, and don't forget to get onto our website, get onto YouTube, and get a hold of this five-minute video. Take it to your member of parliament. Email it around. And make put sure it they on watch it. Demand media. they watch it. Thanks for tuning in. Contact us for more, and see you again next week. Mm-hmm.